0: And in doing this, we're joining around with so many churches around the world and celebrating and looking forward to the both the birth of Jesus, so looking forward and back, I guess, technically, and then the second coming of Christ. So we're looking at both of these things and our eyes are fixed and focused on what he has done and what he's doing now and what he will do. And, uh, As we were saying last week, the Christmas season kind of goes really, really fast, and it feels really, really commercialized. We all know this. Uh, But this is a way to sit and focus on unique elements of what this meant when God sent his son uh, to be born in a manger, and then, of course, to live and die on the cross, of course, to raise again at the end. So last week, we looked at hope. Uh, we looked at a lot of where a misplaced hope causes major damage, both for ourselves and to those around us. Uh, where we put our hope in the wrong things and, and our expectations in the wrong things, it does real damage. But the hope that we found in Christ is something completely different. It's founded, it's, it's, we looked at how trustworthy God is, how much he's proved uh, to be faithful, he's kept his promises. Again, this week we'll be looking. At peace, And the message of our title is Keeping Peace, Considering the Source. So we're going to start with a very common Christmas passage uh, from Isaiah chapter 9. Uh, we're going to read verses 6 through 7. If you would stand up, we'll do that together. You don't have to stand if you don't want to, but you know, we will judge you. If you don't. No, I'm kidding. We won't judge you. There's no judgment. All right, verses 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born... The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Lord, as we are coming and we're looking back at the promises that you've already kept, that you've already fulfilled, we are reminded of your faithfulness. And Lord, as we look to the future, we're reminded that you, nothing's out of control at all. Like you've got it all under control. Lord, and so as we look to peace, we, hope, we pray you give us a um, a biblical understanding of what peace is, what it isn't, and how it should absolutely change and affect our lives in, in such a deep, profound way, and, and so much so that it would change the lives of those around us. So God, we pray that you'd speak to us by your word, um, through your spirit, Lord, that you give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and then hearts that would be soft, pliable, movable. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you guys may be seated. Verse 6 For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. So, to understand the context of Isaiah, The book of Isaiah is really interesting because it 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 goes in and out of so many different things, Uh, and and a lot of the prophets, as you know, if you read through them, it's a lot about judgment, the coming judgment, the exile that's coming, the faithlessness of hundreds of years that have passed by. Israel has been a mess, and so Isaiah is saying, "Look and go." What's through God saying through Isaiah? Look. It's going to get worse before it gets better, like you're going to go into exile, but that won't be the end and so as we're seeing uh, God's judgment and, and his jurisdiction against these people who who say the words but don't live the life, it's always intertwined with there is a coming hope, and so we get so many of the messianic uh verses and and you know Christmas. Versus the, 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 of the coming suffering servant, and it's Jesus, right? And so this is, it, with that in, in mind, right? The impending exile, the judgment, children of Israel, there, this, there would be judgment, but it would not be forever. There would come a day where there is one who lives righteously, and he will make the path. And, and of course, they were looking for this, the long-awaited Messiah. This was the promise of the fulfillment through all the covenants. They were all looking to Jesus, to the fulfillment of the Messiah. Right? Even at Sinai, the you know the Mosaic covenant with between God and Moses at Sinai, where God sets up uh, the law and and again makes it so that He can hang out with His people, so He can bless them with His presence. Uh, it was a shadow of this when the Messiah would actually come and would restore relationship with him. Okay. Uh, and, and so that we look at that. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, the government will be upon his shoulder. This is great news, especially those who've been in exile, right? That things will be made right. Luke 2 records, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. That was like the culmination of when he was coming. Listen, he's here. Glory to God in the highest on earth, peace and goodwill towards men. The the baby's here. He's come. Right? So when it says, and the government will be upon his shoulders, the word for government actually means domination. And we go, yes, amen. That's exactly what it is. (laughs) But keep in mind the context. The government shall be upon his shoulders. Guys, there's a trajectory, right? When Jesus came, he set about his kingdom. And his kingdom is so different than our kingdom. It's like upside down, right side up, however you want to say it. It is just so different than the way we see things and the way we view things. But the fact of the matter is, he is winning, He's won. He's in the process of winning. So the kingdom, it's begun. It's not yet fully fulfilled, but there will be a day. The government is upon his shoulders. Uh, It's a whole new set of values, and it's also a whole new set of power. What did God do to combat the, the work of of Satan and all of his nastiness and and vi, you know just vile deceit and and all the pain and suffering it's crazy to see how gnarly sin is you know it is insane to see how easily it can twist and turn uh, uh, what you would think of someone you know into an absolute monster including yourself sin was just so. But what was God's response to that? I'll send a baby. I'm going to send a baby in. (laughs) And he's going to be born poor. And he's going to be, he's not even going to have a place to be born. He's going to be born in like a barn, you know. He's going to come and he's going to live a lowly life and then he'll be crucified. And in so doing, the devil will have signed his own death note by crucifying the Messiah, only to rise again three days later. None of this made any sense to anyone. That's why people were so distraught by the death of Jesus. Like They did not know what to do. All of his disciples were like, I don't get it. you know. And, and they didn't want to hear about him saying he's going to die. No one wants to hear that. They want the government on his shoulders now, but it was a future thing coming. It was something that was going to be fulfilled in his suffering and then uh, be produced for the generations to come. So, uh, that's that's kind of so. Unto us a son is born, uh, or, or unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulders, and he's got the shoulders to hold it. Right? We think we'd be better off if we were in charge. If we were watching a recess. Have you ever seen the the show Recess? Like like anyway, it's so political. It's 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 amazing. One of them. Uh, there's this king of the playground, right? And he has these jurisdictions and he has his helmet. And he says, I've got to, he was sick. So they said, we got to put somebody else in charge of you. And so they find this like lowly, really nice kid. His name's Gus. God bless Gus, you know. And they bring him up there and they're like, he's like, I don't know how to be king. And so they're saying, well, whatever you want. We'll just do whatever you want. And so he does something. And then all of a sudden he's like, oh, I like the way that felt, right? And so he asks them to do something and they do it. And then before you know it, he's proposing a cookie tax where everybody needs to bring in two cookies every day and give them to him. And one kid didn't have any cookies because his mom only packs him healthy treats. So he st- pulls them off, throws them in jail. And he has these kids building himself a cookie mine so he could put all the, all the cookies in one spot. And you're like, okay, whatever, who cares about recess? But I, I, was, I was explaining to my kids, you guys, power corrupts. And it happens pretty fast. So when we look to Jesus to be the one that's holding and ruling and domination, he's not one that dominates uh, to put everyone in their place and make them feel better. No, he rules to lift, to, to, to restore. And so we get his names, the attributes of God, really interesting. Interesting. One of the spots where you find the attributes of God is in Exodus 34. It's right after the golden calf incident and where Moses intercedes and God says, okay, I'll reestablish my covenant with you. Let me first tell you who I am. Really cool. If you want to read it, go and read it. Exodus 34, uh, verses 6 and 7, I believe it is. Uh, But it tells you all about the attributes. He tells you who he is. I want you to know who you're making a covenant with. We get a little more of that here. Here's his name. His name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Remember, this is a prophecy of who the Messiah would be years later. And So we get this this glimpse. Today, we're going to focus on the fact that he's called the Prince of Peace. Peace is a word that is... Easily misunderstood, just like all of the words we'll be looking at. Hope, <laughs> you know, joy, love. All these words are, are so easily misconstrued. And you think of peace and you think of the peace sign and you think of hippies and all this and that. And, uh, and so we have this, this view even of what peace might look like, right? And, and it's important for us to understand. Peace is not just, it is this, but it's not just The absence of tension or violence or getting along, right? A lot of times our ideas of peace are also uh, tied to our desire for comfort. And I think this is actually one of the American issues we have is comfort. And we kind of forget what it's like to do anything hard, right? Our food is there. You're not pulling it out of the ground, you know, oh, gotta go grocery shopping. Yeah, you don't have to farm. That would be different, right? Oh man, I gotta go pick up some steaks. You didn't have to butcher the cow. You know, I remember watching a show in Alaska, and they like in Alaska, and it was these people who lived on their own. the The guy is he kills the cow, and he's crying as he kills it. Because he raised it and he loved it. And he, sa- he says, we need this meat. And he's so grateful and thankful for it. And he says, I w- everyone needs to understand what this is. People, you buy it in the store, there's no face. There's no, you don't get it. You miss out on what is." it is. And I, hey, believe me, I'm not trying to make you all vegans. But what I am trying to say is like there's something about all that. We don't have, we are so removed from a lot of that, right? So comfort has become a thing. And now it's like it becomes a god. That's not what peace is. Peace is something much better than that. Uh, and the Hebrew word for peace is what? Does anybody know? Shalom. shalom. Very good. You guys, I, you guys speak Hebrew. That's great. Okay, and the Greek word is? Right, figured. Uh, <laughs> it's er, erena. Mikey, yeah, there you go. That's how you spe- say it, kind of. Uh, but they, they mean, in a sense, the same thing. And the word peace or shalom means complete or whole. Um, it would have been used with something like a rock or a stone that has no cracks in it or nothing missing from it or a wall with no gaps or missing bricks. Um, that was an example I heard from the Bible Project video. I thought it was so good. If you guys want to learn more about peace, you could find that, their Advent series on peace. They have them all and they're. Great, really, really good. And he speaks fluent Hebrew. So, you know, that works good. Um, But the idea is taking something complex, something in pieces, and bringing it together again to a state of completion or completeness, wholeness. That is what peace is. So Jesus is the prince, the first one who brings about wholeness, fullness, completion, it's really interesting that uh, actually a lot of times there's words, the word shalom shows up in places we wouldn't really understand. It, it wouldn't really make that much sense for it to show up. Um, uh, he and, and there's times over and over again where it talks about bringing shalom to different places. Uh, uh, elements, restoring what was destroyed, say, in your neighbor's field. You go and you make it right. You, you bring back what was missing. You fix the problem. You bring shalom to the field. Uh, relationships between other nations. Uh, it didn't just mean there was a ceasefire. It was like the relationship was fixed so much that now these two nations were able to work together in unity. So the peace that God brings through Jesus is one of like restoration and completion. Like that's really good news because it's not just about, oh, I feel like kind of peaceful today. You know, feelings are just so fleeting. They can, they can come and they can go like in, a, in just in a flash. You know, um, heard a pastor say, I think I, I might've mentioned it last week, I can't remember, but there's no one in this room that a phone call, the wrong phone call, couldn't bring each one of us to our knees. We are all very, very vulnerable and our emotions are gonna come and go. But the peace or the completion or the wholeness that Jesus brings is a whole nother level. And it makes us, restores us back into what we're supposed to be. That's really what he did. He, he took the brokenness of the sin of the garden, took the brokenness of, of man's attempts to do it on his own, and he brought back wholeness and completion with our relationship with God. And then that changes our relationship with each other, right? So we're, we're to see shalom brought to every part of our life. There'd be healing to every part of us so that as we're being made whole, we would be able to go and minister to others and help make them whole by the Holy Spirit moving in and through us, all God's plan, all God's power, but we're solid vessels. God wants to do that in us. But see, here's the thing. We often short-circuit the program because being made whole uh, a lot of times, being broken is our identity. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it is. Like, you, we like it. We like holding on to our pain. We like holding on to our hurts. We like holding, keeping the chip on our shoulder. It keeps us sharp, right? And it's what we think. Where God's like, I want to restore the whole thing so that you have something to give to the next generation and to those who are around you, and so that you can live in this joy. And that's what peace is. Like relationship, Un, unenco- you know, why did Jesus die? So we could get like partially there? No, he came because he really wants to see this thing working out in us, to complete us. We are made complete in him. It's all throughout the epistles. That's what the word perfect is. You're perfect, it's complete. It doesn't mean actually perfect. It's completion though, found in Christ, Working together, fixing relationships. Verse seven, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it uh, with justice, uh, judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Um, the increase of his government, his rule, his reign, and is peace bringing forth completion, wholeness? It is only going to increase. Now, this is good news. He fulfilled that promise. He's going to fulfill this promise. And we look around at the world around us and we go, uh, where is it? <laughs> Seems like it's getting worse. You know? And there's, there's, in a sense, there is a, an like an element of that. But keep don't be confused. God is doing something. And we're always, we see this all throughout Scripture, people never get what he's doing. We never get what he's doing. It's always surprising. I mean, it just doesn't make it. So the best thing we could do is not try to decipher every little thing. <coughs> Excuse me but to keep our eyes on him and say, well, uh, God, I don't know about all that, but let's start here. One of the major issues we have in the world we're living in right now is people who want to fix the whole world, but their lives are an absolute disaster, right? You're like, oh, I would know how to rule the world. You're like, you don't know how to rule your house. How would you do ruling anything else? And really, it all starts with that right i mean that's a biblical principle you want to you want to be in leadership you want to rule you got to rule your house you got to be able to 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 be who you're supposed to be to be the man or the woman you were created to be here and now small things Right, and then the Lord increases, gives you more. So all the problems we see, we look at the world, and we're like, "What is going on?" We're like, "No, no, no! Look, what is going on?" God sent His Son in the world to intervene. He's already accomplished all that. It's re- recorded by history. Jesus came, rose, came, died, uh, rose again. Many eyewitnesses, and now we are made new in Him. That. All plays in. The the rest of the Bible is about how we are part of what he's doing. And so that's part of that completion. So his increase of his rule, his dominion, and peace, there will be no end. God is restoring what he's doing. Eventually, there's going to be a new heaven, new earth. Right? You see, that is in the future. The end of it all. Right? It will be restored completely. We are like a first fruits of what he's doing. Our lives being restored. I love seeing things restored. I love it. It's amazing. We all do. This is why the whole world can't get enough of a uh, flip or flop or a show like that, you know? You love seeing, or uh, um, the one with Joanna Gaines, Chip, what's that one called? Fixer Upper, the Christian version, you know? We love seeing these things where you see something that, and, it's, and, and you know what we love? The messier the house, you're like, please pick the worst one. You know? You got all these options. Which one are you going to choose? Oh, there's this one, there's this one, there's this one. Oh, this one's the worst. You don't want them to choose the kind of nice house. You don't want them just p- slapping a little paint on it and saying, you know, right on. I pick the, pick the most disastrous one. I, I'm longing to see something messed up become really beautiful. That is a God-given thing in us. That is, that is There's no doubt about it. And the whole world subscribes to it without even knowing it. It all gets messed up, though, when we either, A, don't act like we were ever screwed up in the first place, or B, we don't allow God to actually rearrange the walls in our house. <laughs> right? I'm not speaking this as to you, but me too. There's something about that where the world can see, I love seeing reclamation projects. I love seeing people's lives change from like death to life. It is so insane. And you don't have to have a crazy testimony for that. You were already good at being dead. You didn't have to kill anyone, or you know, have a you know heroin addiction or something. You know, like. But if you did, then God wants to use that too. So he's he's starting it. What he's begun, and upon the throne of David, and uh, and over his kingdom to an order established with justice. So, he, upon the throne of David. He's going to establish it, right? But it's going to be so much more than just that, right? God is going to do so much more than just that. And from that time forward, even forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. The zeal. Zeal was important in the the Jewish context. They loved zeal. Remember Paul talked about that? He says, zeal, I was like the most zealous. I killed Christians, like, it means he cared about something. I think that's something, like, that has a lot of value. When we're just so nonchalant about everything, it doesn't really show that we think this is as good a news as it, as it is. So God's got zeal that he's accomplishing what he's going to accomplish. He is, he is absolutely for it. And, he's, and he cares a lot. You know, you, think, you see zeal. You Think about the story about Jesus when he's... Angry about his house. I, I heard this in a message I thought was really interesting. They said, uh, you know, the story about when Jesus drives out the tax collectors? It said he made the whip. Can you imagine? That's how you know it's not anger anymore. When you make the whip, that's long enough, you know? Because a lot of times, if if you take a few minutes and and um, just wait, it goes away, right? We had that once where my friend's family was getting all messed uh, or my friend's uh, girlfriend was getting messed with. And so we're like, let's go, let's go beat him up. That's what we said. Yeah, you're like, yeah, cool, that's our pastor. Uh, let's do it. Um, no problem. And so we, I said, dude, t- take this way. It was a shortcut. No, it wasn't. It was a long cut. And my friend put in on the music. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to rat him out right now. It's Jeff who speaks here. Yeah, here you go. Now there's two of us. Um, and he's like, let's listen. We had just gotten saved, really. Uh, we were coming from youth group, um, and uh, he puts in P.O.D., which is a Christian band. <sighs> I'm like, oh, this probably isn't a good idea. If you're thinking about like God, you're not going to probably fight as good against, you know, these guys or whatever. Anyway, so we start going, and we're all in the car. And there's like four of us, and we show up, and these guys all walk out. They've been drinking. they got bottles in their hands or whatever, but we don't care. And I said, Jeff, whatever you do, we're down. This says, you're a deal. Like so whatever you want to do, let's do it. And uh, he got up there, and I've told this story a long time ago. For those of you who heard it, you're hearing it again. And he gets out of the car, and he walks right up to the first guy. He says, "What do you think about Jesus Christ in Nazareth?" I'm like, "Oh, this is different. I wasn't expecting that." He's like, "Dude, what do you think about that? About the gospel?" And I'm like, "Oof." Okay. And so he starts preaching to these guys. I'm like sitting there, and one of the guys is like, "I don't want to hear this." I'm like, "Sit, get back in there." He's talking. So he starts talking to him, he starts sharing. These guys start breaking down, dude, I I know the Lord. I'm just like messed up. I'm like, okay. But there's something about the time it took to get from there to there. Jeff's mind was changed, right? Jesus is sitting there and he's making the whip. And he's he's like still going to do it. He's like, you know, I love the way the pastor described it. He's like, you can imagine he goes to like the leather guy and he's like, I need about 10 strips about this long and he sits down, and he's like braiding it together, you know. Like, oh, this is interesting. This is not a bad, it's not an anger, it's not a bad thing, but it's zeal for the house of the Lord. He cares about the character of, the, uh, of his people and how God is represented. We are to be those who are zealous that care. Because you go, you know, otherwise, it's like, I've got this really great thing with God, and I don't need to tell anyone else about it. <laughs> It's just me. And that's that individualistic stuff that we really, it's another issue for us, isn't it? It's all about me. But his zeal is a, is a good sign of um, that God has zeal. Zeal for the Lord of hosts will produce or will perform what needs to be done. He will establish his rule and reign with what? Uh, Establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward. That he's going to come and he's going to make things right. He's going to turn all the bad things, all the hurt, all the pain. He's going to make it right. We go, what kind of a loving God uh, is talking about judgment? You know, We don't want to hear about judgment. Yes, you do. You absolutely do, because otherwise that's not really love. So, Because when you hear the story about someone who hurts a kid, the millstone being tied around their neck, you're like, yes. Otherwise, if if the God is cool with kids getting hurt, I don't know what to do with that kind of a good God. So he cares about things, right? It, It matters to him. He is executing judgment and justice and making things right making things what they're supposed to be. But it, it, again, the peace starts inside of us. And it's way more than like a, a fleeting passion or feeling or, or whatever that can just be disrupted so quickly. You could have the most peaceful morning ever, uh, sitting out and, you know, birds are chirping, and all this and that. And all of a sudden, man, here it comes. Something's coming. Everything's thrown off. No, peace is inner Peace because we've been transformed by the renewing of God. It's not inner peace in the sense of, you know, we produce it, but it's, it's an internal peace of, of a wholeness because of what He has accomplished and made us whole in Him. And it is good news. It's all over the scriptures, right? So, with this in mind, we, we continue to look to Christ to use us as vessels of restoration. As we're being restored, we're looking to see others restored. I will say this. There is nothing more exciting than watching people restored. If you get to be a part of it, it's incredible. Incredible to see a life changed by the good news of the gospel. To see someone literally changed. It's, there's nothing like it. Second Corinthians 13.11 says, Finally, brethren, fare, uh, farewell. Uh, become complete, be of good comfort, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of comfort and peace will be with you. Become complete. Don't stop what God's doing in your life. Don't let the peace of God miss, uh, like don't miss out on the peace, the real peace of God. We're to live in this peace. God wants us to work, God wants to work in us to be agents of peace. We need to experience that wholeness first. And a lot of times you're like, I don't even know how to feel whole. I don't even know what to do. I got like deep-rooted baggage, deep-rooted issues. God wants to work in those because they continue to be an issue. It's like the, the rock in your, in your shoe. As much as you try to ignore it, it's only getting worse, isn't it? The more you go on, eventually you have to do the hard work of pulling off your boots and taking, off, taking it out, clearing it out, Making sure there's nothing else in there, all right, Lord. Here, let's go forward, move forward from that point on. The sooner, the better. Verse uh, Colossians, verse uh, chapter three, verses fourteen and fifteen. Above all these things, right. This is about the new man of God, the new character of the new man of God. Above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. To which you are called in one body and be thankful. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts as we're called in one body. That we would be complete. That we would be, you know, made well. That God would be working in us to restore us. I, to be very clear, I'm not talking about sinless perfection at all. We're not going to get there. (laughs) But God wants to, that's the word perfect, complete us. Work in us, you know. Yeah, work through all the pain and suffering and struggles. Philippians 4, 6-7, through 7, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Uh, is, it, is it also something that is in our minds where we are able to withstand chaos and peace? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's not limited to only being that completion, but that completion affects everything else. It makes everything else change, the way we see things. Look at the, what, what's going on in the world. What he began, like, look around us. It's, it's a mess, right? But remember, what God has begun in Christ, he will complete. We get to be part of this. We're going to miss this if we don't understand our mission, right? First of all, that he wants to continue to work in us. And then as he's doing that, he wants to work through us, right? God's faithfulness is, is so key to being able to withstand and endure. We trust his faithfulness. It's his character, right? That he's dependable, that he's trustworthy, that he's authentic, The the Hebrew word for it is emet, and it's actually where we get the derivative of the word amen, right? It's it's trust. God is faithful. He's trustworthy. We can put all of our stock in him. And and if we're being honest, the places in our our life that are still uh, marred by brokenness and the places we don't allow God to touch, it's because we don't think he can do anything with it. And we think it's better off if we hold on to it. It is not. You ever had your kid in a very irrational state? And you're like, let go, I've got you. Like, they're holding on to the monkey bars. And you're like, they're like so scared because they got in over their head. You know? They're like, oh, they fall like an older kid. And all of a sudden, they're hanging from, you know, I don't know, six feet in the air. When you're three feet tall, that's really far, you know? (laughs) And they're holding on for dear life. And, and you're like, I've got you. I'm holding on to you. I've got you. Just let go. No, no, no. What have I let I it?" And then eventually they get tired enough to where they have to let go. And then you grab them. And then they're laughing. <laughs> you know. You say, trust me. I've been able to pick you up for a long time. There's no way I'm going to let you drop. This is the same thing. Trust God. Believe him. Right? Um. And so, because he, yeah, he's working and doing something big. And again, remember, everyone missed the signs of the Messiah. They didn't get it, what he was really doing. They did not get it. Uh, Don't fret at the world, uh, but bring hope to the world. How good is the, is the good news that God wants to restore what is broken? That's amazing news, right? It's such a, a feeling, accomplishment, like a puzzle, Oh, you've seen it be put back together. You know what's a terrible feeling? It's putting a puzzle together and it's missing a piece. We are, I mean, we've done that. We have a bunch of little puzzles with the kids, like 25 piecers or 50 piecers. And all of a sudden you put it together and it's missing a piece. And now we're ripping the whole house apart to find a door of the Explorer piece or whatever because this is really bothering me, you know. That this is not me. It's like there's, there will always be that longing. Man, we want to see God continue to do that. You're not done with us. You're working all this out in us. 1 Peter 3, verses 10 through 12. For he uh, who would love, uh, love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Uh, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. God is calling us out of wickedness and evil into this place where he can heal us and restore us. That is what Jesus brought as the Prince of Peace. He's calling us out of this. Because what's really interesting, he says, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. There is a correlation of how our prayers are answered by our faithfulness and trust in him. There's always been a correlation with that, right? You know, don't if you ask, don't ask doubting. Well, that's what sin is. We, It's us doubting God, thinking we found kind of a better way. What's the original sin? That's what it was. Right? I kind of... You know, God says this, but I know, you know what? There's actually, he's trying to keep you away from knowing something better. And it's been the same thing ever since. Our response, again, like we said with Judah a couple weeks ago in Genesis chapter 38, our response is recognize our sin, call it what it is, repent, don't go back. Lord, I have been ruining the peace In my life, you want to do way more in me than I would have ever imagined. And you want to do way more in the people around me than I would have ever imagined. Become re-enchanted with how good God is, with how big he is, with how much he restores. Violet's learning about Jim Edwards. No, Jim Elliott. Jim Edwards. Jim Elliott right now. And explaining that story to my kids, like, it, that's a wild story. Be like, that's what God does. And, and, and it's really interesting because it's not just a happy story. I mean, it's got some pain and suffering in it. That's where we're living in this world. But, you know, his famous quote, he's no fool to give what he cannot lose, to gain what he cannot keep, something like that. Might have missed it up. But the idea is he was willing to give his life, and he did, and it looked like, oh, what a mistake. And then all of a sudden, you see God is moving so radically in his midst. But it's people who believe that and trust that, even if things don't go how you want them to do circumstantially, even if you don't get everything you'd always hoped you would get, God, you, I trust that you're going to use this and you're going to move. we got to be awakened to that. Because that's actually a church that's attractive to the world. Because they go, when well, that's it's not just a moral club. It's like, it's got power, because I've seen the power in your life. You look different. You've changed. So we're called to seek peace and to pursue it. We're to be disciplined and focused. Seek peace, seek completion in him, and pursue it. Go after it, right? God rewards these efforts, guys. He rewards these efforts, right? When I got my eyes on Tori, I sought her, and I went after her. So I I was figuring out a way to make a conversation. Oh, hey, you hear that song? You know, I was like, I I saw her, and I was like, I'm running her down, you know? You have no idea. You're hoping it's not one-sided. Turned out to not be. But it's like that same effort. If you want something, you'll get it. You'll make it happen. And now we're the ones who keep peace. We bring healing and restoration to the world. God does it through us. We're his partners, his covenant partners. We're to, to do this. We're to be a part of this. And that's such good news. Uh, one of the great reminders we, we have, and we do it once a month here, uh, of what was accomplished on the cross and, and the, that wholeness and re- remembering, is it's communion. It's the Lord's table where we get to take a minute out of our day and sit, and, and take the elements and hold them, and go. This is the bread. This is the body of Jesus. It it's, represents the body of Jesus. It was broken for us, you know, reminding us of man that it was a real price paid. But there was a real thing accomplished in that. There's a real power. The blood, the the, the juice that represents the blood of Christ. Right, That he, he suffered and he died and his blood was shed, just like the animal sacrifices of the blood being shed it was a remission for sins. It was a covering for sins. Just like the, the blood on the doorposts was what uh, kept the children of Israel safe in the plagues of Egypt. It's a reminder that there was a real transaction that took place where the Prince of Peace came to make things right. And now he wants to make things right in us. So as we worship, I would encourage you come up, grab right there, right there. And sit back at your seat and, and just say thank you. Say thank you to the Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you. And confess. Repent where you need to repent. You know? It's interesting, a lot of times uh, churches are can be concerned. I'm not talking about, about church. I guess I should just say us Christians. We're concerned, we're like, I don't want people to feel convicted. Why not? <laughs> Conviction is like such a good thing. It's such a good, it's such a helpful thing. We need to know that. So, Lord, if, if we're convicted, thank you for the, sending out the pain receptors that tell us something is not right so we can do something about it. We can make it right. We can catch it before it becomes terminal. Let's pray, Lord. Thank you so much for your grace for us and the peace that you give us that passes understanding. The fact that you are working and moving and